Hello, this is Casey Hinckley, and you are listening to Mutual Reception. Hello and welcome back to Mutual Reception. Last spring, I got to sit down and talk with Casey Hinckley, a self-described failed rodeo queen whose preferred unit of measurement is toilet paper squares. Casey is, of course, so much more than that. She's an occupational therapist, a neurofeedback practitioner, and an arts educator with more than 15 years of experience. In this conversation, we talked about queer family, life on the ranch, and so much more. I really enjoyed it, and I think you will too. You know, I bought a used car in LA once, and after I bought it, the guy texted me being like, I'm a voice acting. Um, (laughs) He was like, just so you know, I think you have a great voice for voice acting. And I didn't follow up on it. What? Because I think he was also being kind of a creep. (laughs) But I've always sort of felt like maybe it was a missed opportunity. He was like, (laughs) what that voice do? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We're already off to a great start. Hi, Casey. Hey, Rose. (laughs) Welcome to Mutual Reception. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm really happy to be here. I can tell. (laughs) Um, So the way I like to start the show off with everyone is I ask them a little bit about how we met, how we know each other. If you can remember the first time, if you can't, just a time early that you remember. I, I don't remember the moment that we met, but I definitely remember your presence in my, (laughs) in my circles. (laughs) <laughs> the what I mean I think everybody was sort of like <laughs> I don't even want to say I think everybody called you Rose the baby for That's a minute fair 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 <laughs> which we were also babies so I don't really know yeah so Rose and I well you did not attend any <laughs> college I took two or three classes did you I did okay I was a student at Antioch College yes. at the time when Rose was 15 and I was 19 or 20. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, if you were a gay, a young gay in the world and you wanted to be around slightly older gays in the world, that was a good spot to do it. Yeah. 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 So you were baby Rose and then his name is Rose. Yes, that is true. Which was the secondary. That's a good one. Moniker. Yeah. I was also known as Hot Boy and the Child. Hot Boy. Hot Boy was a carnival nickname, but that's for another time. Well, I want to properly introduce you, so I would love to know what your gender identity is and what pronouns you use, my friend. Yeah, so I go by she, her. Mm -hmm. I am a cis woman. Mm -hmm. I'm intersex, queer, and live in a big queer family. I've been a a rural dweller my whole existence. Yeah. An artist since forever. And I do other things to make money Thank and you. provide meaning. Hell and yeah. I'm a parent. You that are. is a major occupation of my life at this moment. It's like a job for each child. And then when you have multiple children, I'm like, so you have two full-time jobs and then a third job. 
but your two full-time jobs don't don't pay in dollars so you did mention that you've been rural your whole life and i'm gonna fill in a blank in that you grew up on a ranch correct correct how did growing up on that ranch influence or or affect your gender identity or sexuality (laughs) (laughs) well uh so i'm from a town called shell wyoming my name casey is from the town casey wyoming where my grandma her name was she went by mike that's amazing just while we're talking gender identities yeah so my grandma mike she ran a ranch for these wealthy people in casey wyoming and she um, was one of the only women in that time who was doing that job she was recently inducted into the cowboy hall of fame for her work doing that and she was an amazing um, horse trainer and she and my grandpa met um, pretty late in life, like in their 30s. And um, he had to, he begged her for children wow. and swore that he would raise them. And so she, so they really like changed it up, those two. They like had a real gender yeah. role reversal, which I always think of as so sweet. And um, my grandpa was like the most loving person in in our family's world he was a very frank hinkley was his name he was a very special person oh man i'd kill for his birth chart <laughs> i, mean, I would love kill. to give you his birth chart <laughs> he was amazing he's one of the very few democrat elected officials in the state of wyoming oh ever yeah. he was a state uh state senator okay for the state of wyoming yeah yeah all right pretty incredible person So I feel like that really informs my gender uh, experience. I grew up, yeah, I've worked as a cowboy for a very good part of my life, probably 16 years of like doing serious ranch work. I, I then, I worked at a dude ranch for many years as a high schooler and even after college. My only claim to fame there is that I hoisted the founder of The Gap uh, he was 80 and he came there and I lifted him onto his horse That's pretty wearing cool. my vintage Gap jeans, which he complimented me on. Okay, okay. It was cool. See. It was good. <laughs> and oh, can... and I was also on a German TV show Wait, about cowboys. What? Speaking in German. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It, the only embarrassing thing is they kept asking me to talk about brushing the horse. <laughs> and I kept saying, brusting the horse, which is breasting the horse, Ooh. instead of bursting, which is brus- brushing. <laughs> and I said it a lot of times. So, and they're like, mm. <laughs> yeah. There's a show called Karen in Action. <laughs> Karen in Action is a children's show. <laughs> all right okay so when i said i'd never been interviewed that's not exactly true yeah I you guess lied I was, yeah, to me you lied. started this interview by lying yeah i have been on german television <laughs> <laughs> i hope we can dig that up someday i have a dvd shut up somewhere yeah it, we should watch it my sometime. birthday's in february <laughs> just saying it'll give us time. time to locate a dvd player <laughs> cool. and then ship it somewhere to get it digitized yeah oh no it's digital you can put it in your computer right now this computer don't have a cd slot <laughs> okay they stop those all right well we'll watch Netflix. it sometime yeah, I'll, do, right. I'll arrange a showing okay please. it's a masterpiece please thank you i yeah. appreciate that very much yeah oh so wow. yes cowboying yeah rural life my identity as a versatile femme 
yeah. I, I can do a lot of pretty wild things. Yeah. Yeah. As a result of all of my weird work as a child, my child labor. R- relatable, but on, in a like totally yeah. different way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like also there like was a game that I would play in high school, you know, Ohio, not as serious as Wyoming. However, fairly rural, 4-H, across the board, right? And we definitely would be like, is that a butch dyke or just somebody's country mom, right? Like there is a certain, you just don't have time for that. Oh, for sure. And I didn't even know any, I didn't know anybody who was gay except for both my parents worked for the railroad and they had a boss for a long time who's a lesbian named Luann. And so every time we'd drive by her house, they'd be like, that dyke Luann. <laughs> that was like the the bulk of my exposure to alternative sexualities. <laughs> oh, wow. If you ever write a memoir, do you think that you'll dedicate it to that dyke to Luann? Luann? Maybe, I ought to. She just probably a, deserves it. Just giving out tips here. <laughs> just giving out tips. <laughs> well, thank you for indulging that taking us on that journey oh yeah I really needed it mm-hmm. <laughs> it helps ground who I am for sure yeah. so these days as a semi-retired dude rancher failed I, rodeo queen fair, uh-huh. is often what I go by but yes it, long delayed there's still time for you it's true though it's it more dangerous every day I guess <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, how are you currently surviving capitalism? What are you? What's the work that you are doing in this world? Right. So I'm an occupational therapist. Okay. I originally started working in public education mm-hmm. as an arts educator. Okay. Teaching circus and theater and radio production, actually. Uh-huh. And. Um, at some point, I felt like I needed a job, and so mm. I did like a fast track educator program gotcha. and got a job as a teacher. And I taught for a year, and at the end of that year, I got laid off because they had a big round of oh, um, layoffs. So last in, first out. And I took that unemployment, and I went to grad school to become an occupational therapist, uh. um, which was such a blessing because teaching was probably the most sexist profession I've ever worked in. Damn, speak on it, Casey. It, I felt like the gendered assumptions of Mm. women's work and Mm -hmm. care work in education were staggering. And, um, and the martyrdom that teachers engage in to reinforce that, to, to, feel important and to value themselves is pretty self-fulfilling and um yeah it was not a good place for me you were like I literally lifted the founder of Gap Jeans onto a horse. <laughs> Don't tell me I have to pay for colored pencils out of pocket. Yeah, that's not even the most sexist work no, I've prob- ever done. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's probably not. I may not. not get into the, the actual <laughs> most <fair>. gendered um, <laughs> job that I've ever held, but I will assure you that it is more traditionally viewed as a woman's work position than teaching and I felt much more empowered in that role than I ever did at any rate I ended up going to occupational therapy school and I came back to public education because um, up until very recently I've really believed in public education as an important um, vessel for 
addressing yeah. uh, social inequalities and um, access for for a broader swath of people than those who can pay to access it through their own financial means. Yeah, I recent so I left that yeah. as of December. Okay. And yeah, so I'm in an identity crisis of like what the hell is going on in public education. Yeah. I'm trying to step away to gather my thoughts cuz I think I have some good things to bring that space, but I'm too mad to bring it right now. So yeah, so I have pivoted and now I uh, work as an occupational therapist with adults with intellectual disabilities and okay. neurodevelopmental disabilities, uh, okay. grown people with autism and, and things like that that are living in like group home setting. I can't say that it is a more uplifting uh, institutional scenario from mm. the public education system in terms of addressing individual people and yeah. their dignity, although much like education, there are really good people in there too. It's not, but as an overall, the systems are pretty depressing. When you bring a good point, right? It's like everybody has their theories about the way to change things. And there's always at least two, if not three, five, 15 different camps, right? And one of them is like, no, you change it by being inside. And it's like, do you, or do you just spin your wheels in the mud until you lose your fucking mind? Yeah. Yeah, and so much of it. I mean, I felt like COVID did for public education what Donald Trump did for (laughs) racism, awareness of racism in America. It just pulled off any warm and fuzzy illusion of a post-racial society. Donald Trump's um, influence in our world uh, just (laughs) laid bare uh, how how untrue that is. And um, I felt like COVID was a similar actor for for ed- the educational system it really pulled any sense of the human element yeah it, it just really boiled it down to its most grinding tasks and those do not serve anybody it, they only serve the most neuroconforming people and not anybody who is working with um, an array of neurodiverse experiences in any position teachers students administrators um And yeah, I just felt like I couldn't continue to support that with my energies anymore. No. And I mean, burning yourself out means you can't help anyone. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm pivoting to neurofeedback for now. I want to know what that is. I also actually want to know what occupational therapy is. I I know a little bit, but... You know, occupational therapy is cool. Yeah, it's tell kind us of about awesome. it. Um, someone once told me it's the liberal arts of the health sciences. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. Which it really is. It's yeah. like, um, so occupational therapy as a profession was founded in the early 1900s as a part of kind of the rest cure. Okay. Like where people would go to the seaside to do handcrafts. I was and like, take surely you're not talking air. about the fresh sea air, but yeah, you are. Okay, cool. And the idea with the foundation of it being that when people are um, able to engage in meaningful occupation, that might be caring for their bodies, their minds, their physical selves. Um, I said for their mental health. Mm-hmm. When people can engage in things that nourish all of those parts, they have better health outcomes. Which I can get behind that. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And so it's cool because it's a lot of functional neurology. So mm-hmm. a lot of what I do, I would say my expertise is in pediatric practice. Okay. And... So as an occupational therapist, if I have a kid come to me um, 
what my first question is, is like, what do you want to be able to do that you can't? Yeah, yeah. And really, that's what guides everything that we do, ideally. You know, if it's a kid who has cerebral palsy and wants to be able to get on Facebook, um, then we do all kinds of stuff to set up assistive technology. Mm -hmm. and, And I'm looking at like how the kid's arms are moving and hands and how the eye-hand coordination is and where does the computer need to be and what kinds of switches do we need. So it's a very cool, it's a really neat um, kind of, uh, it's very eclectic. Like you're drawing from all of these different places. Oh, and you'll love this, Rose. I didn't tell you. So the founders of occupational therapy were a carpenter, a social worker, a nurse, and a psychologist, I believe. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's the four. I think those yeah. were the original, the originators of that as like a healthcare discipline. Awesome. It's very cool. And in the eighties, it took this wild turn for the medicalized and it became mm. like OTs do hands and PTs do legs. Like OTs I are see. above the belt and which is nonsense. It's yeah. not how PTs work. It's not how OTs work. Um, but we're kind of swinging back the other way to OT as a primary mental health intervention. Very cool. Um, in addition to being being able to address the the biomechanical limitations and demands of of our occupations yeah and have you seen a shift in the last you know a, a, across the board in certain health and wellness spheres and you know medical interventions people are starting to clue into the role that trauma plays in neurodivergence have you seen that coming up have you what are people cluing in? Are they not? Is it still very biomechanical? Like what's your, what's your take? What's your read? I think in the life of the mind, people are pretty aware of the ways that trauma impacts. Mm -hmm. But I think with the drive for what's called evidence-based medicine, Mm. um, there's a real need to create standardized groups of people on which you do your intervention and then Mm. draw conclusions. Mm -hmm. And so standard medical research is really hard to crack because It's really relying, you know, even when they say we have a racially diverse N uh, mm-hmm. in our study, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're taking into account what that racial diversity means for yeah. the way that people's lived ex- trauma experiences are impacting their research. And I think that um, it's one of those things that there's still there's still struggle to to define I mean I don't struggle to define trauma but I think in the field of medical research people are really flopping about trying to figure out how to define trauma experiences and I think many of us who live with trauma (laughs) who have experienced it who are seeing it in writ large in the groups of people that we work with it feels absurd that it would be a hard thing to to control for um but I do think that that's one of the big barriers. So I see that there's a big, there's kind of a gap between like, I think on a, on an individual practitioner level, I think people are aware of it, but feel, at least in my experience here in New Mexico, I think many of us have our own traumas and the people we're serving are having traumas and the overlapping ripples of that are, it's very hard to, um, pull those things apart yeah. and to it, it you can't just name trauma as a thing it, it's so many things and yeah. it's and it impacts people in so many different ways yeah. so I feel like they're in the world at large people are developing a lot more 
awareness of what trauma is, but I don't know that, um, I don't know that it's translated yet to a good working strategy for most people in the practice field. Gotcha. And definitely in education, I feel like trauma is used as a label to disempower students from being able to move forward. Uh, it's an othering strategy mm-hmm. rather than a, a, a realizing that, right. you know, in this school setting, like probably 75, maybe more percent of people have experiences with addiction. Either they have had addictions, they have family with addictions, and all the trauma that goes along with that. So then if we have a parent come in of a kid who appears to be impaired, the ripple of that, the trauma ripple of that out into the school community is, it's massive. And I don't think that we're equipped to deal with the kind of diffuse and ever-present trauma that is happening. If we had a, a child who committed suicide in Dixon some years ago, which was so sad. Oh, and yeah. I actually felt like there were efforts to address that acute trauma, yeah. but it was not ever really addressed in the um, community picture or in the, the collective experience of what that is. It's more about addressing individuals who we think the trauma happened to. Mm. And I, and I feel like that's the shift that, yeah. um, yeah that needs to happen in especially in non-specialized um I mean I I see myself as a specialized person and education can also be specialized but in just those generalized community settings where kids are going to school and it's kids and parents and it's very hard to to enact you know everybody wants a continuing education about trauma-informed practice but I don't but I actually think it's a different paradigm shift than just learning a set of tools and applying them Right. Yeah. Yeah. You bring up a really good point. Something you haven't explicitly named, but that I'm gathering from this is really the the nuance is what's missing. And that's actually what's required to to engage with folks with skill. Right. And it's internal Mm self-awareness, which is really scary and hard to do if you're a traumatized person. So I understand why it's why it's hard to proliferate it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for digging into that with me. I know I kind of just threw a grenade at you and was like, all right, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's nice. I spend like most of my time parenting these days, actually. Like it's so it's fun to like have intellectual thoughts and share my my ideas. (laughs) Another thing that I like pulling your thumb out of the dike. Be careful. (laughs) Oh, take that. Set you up. Ted Lasso style. Thank you. Nice. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> I, I've never watched that show. Oh, well, yeah. But I heard it's bombing now. It's not as good. Oh, really? I don't know. I don't it's really know. It's through on Apple News. Who I only knows? just started watching it. <laughs> I'm going to let you enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Only because, like, Next in Fashion was over. <laughs> fair. Fair. I understand. I understand the need for, like, something that feels good after those long days. <laughs> Right. Mm -hmm. Now you started to explain neurofeedback and then I was like, wait, tell me about occupational therapy. Yeah. Now can you tell me about neurofeedback? Yeah. So as an occupational therapist, I'm trying a new thing, which Mm -hmm. is neurofeedback. Okay. And neurofeedback is also cool. It's um, the idea with neurofeedback is that uh, we hook a person up to electrodes and watch their brain for a little while. And then... 
there's enough research, there's enough information that we can draw some assumptions about how someone's brain is working based on um, what we're seeing in terms of electromagnetic activity. And then the feedback part is that we use sensory feedback, either visual or auditory. Um, some systems use other kinds. There's some game feedback mm -hmm. um, that can be used to try to target those areas of the brain where we're noticing things. Maybe they're a little uh, under-inhibited or over-inhibited. There's patterns of brain activity that are signature to depression mm -hmm. or to anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little bit like um, weight training for the brain. So okay. by providing this feedback, you're helping to create some better mechanical action in the mm. brain in those parts that um, maybe are not working to their full potential. Okay. Uh, there's a ton of evidence for it for um, like ADHD. Mm -hmm. It was originally founded as an intervention for epilepsy cool which is kind of cool yeah um they found and it's a lot like uh it's a lot like meditation with training wheels okay so you're you're working with the brain to bring it to uh, a meditative state or or to a heightened state mm -hmm. so it's not always like a quiet meditative state mm -hmm. it can also be if there are parts of the brain that are a little low and slow that you actually are yeah. kind of bringing a little agitation to try to bring uh. up the level of activity um and my neurofeedback person cat duff um she's up in taos mm -hmm. she described it like a like a vinyl record that the brain kind of gets into these patterns and so they and every time you play that record it digs deeper and deeper uh -huh. and neurofeedback waxes in that hole a little bit and allows you some more latitude to try other things cool. and for your brain to create new patterns and it's cool because uh, i really came to it because i was seeing um a lot of people for whom talk therapy would not be appropriate, mm, uh, nonverbal yeah. people with autism, right? who are experiencing the world in the same ways that, that a neuroconforming person would be exper could be experiencing the world, but they can't access the kinds of resources that, that are, might be available to yeah. for coping with that. And so I got excited about neurofeedback as a possible option uh, as a mental health support for people that may not be able to access talk therapy and it's also a, a really highly um supported trauma intervention because you don't really have cool. to revisit the trauma to to experience some relief from the brain patterns that arise out of a trauma experience yeah and so you can address brain activation patterns without actually needing the person to dive back into the hard things um, and of course it works best like it's it's great if you can access all the therapies right like, right do the talk therapy do all the yeah. things but I think neurofeedback is really cool in in those ways it sounds like a cool inroad honestly yeah can you let's pretend where I'm coming to you for neurofeedback like how does it work I come you put some stuff on you talk to me and then you're like, this is what your brain is doing. And then we keep doing it. I just made it up. Tell me that actually what's happening. That was pretty good. That was not bad, Rose. <laughs> yeah, you'll come in. I'm going to hook you up to like 24 cables. You're okay. going to look really wacky. Really cool. That's um, what you're saying. It's going to be all waxy in your hair. It's a little uncomfortable that first. And that's called the brain map. So okay. and then what what you do is like. I'm just going to watch your brain while you have your eyes closed, watch it while you have your eyes open. And then I'm going to ask you to do something that's okay. related to the brain area that we're looking at. So okay. 
I might ask you to do like something with numbers okay. when we're on that part of your brain. And I want to see how that works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then once we've gone through all of the points that I want to look at, then um, I put it into some software. I put mm. in that raw data. Mm -hmm. The software then is able to crunch a tremendous amount of numbers to give me um, a lot of summary data about um, what the levels of electrical activity are in your brain. And gotcha. we're looking at alpha waves. We're looking at theta waves. We're looking at beta, high beta, low beta. Um, and all of those correlate to different patterns of brain function and okay. experiences of brain function. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like high alpha in the front. So mm -hmm. if I see really high numbers in the front left might indicate something to me about your um, level of anxiety. Ah. For instance. It doesn't mean you have anxiety, yeah, yeah. but it would tell me it's not a diagnostic tool. It's just a... Uh, it's just a little clue about what's working really well in your brain and what might be causing you some some discomforts. Very cool. Thank you for taking a little more time with that. So that's like the that's the brain map. And yeah. then the subsequent therapy part is that we look at all that data and we pinpoint a few um, outstanding places that we yeah. really want to target. And so then I might just put two or three electrodes on. And then I'm going to have you kick back in a chair and listen to some music. Uh, it might trip you out. It's kind of annoying for musicians <laughs> because it's modulated music. Oh. That's not, it's not intended to be beautiful always. Mm. And so the feedback is actually more and less discordant to, to communicate with your brain. Yeah. Volume. So it might get louder or quieter. There might be clicks in there. And yeah. so all of that, so the music is intended to feed back to that part of your brain gotcha. information about its performance, essentially. Right. Like what it's locking into, yeah. what it's not. And it's trying to nudge it in the direction of where we guess um, you would have better outcomes or that you might feel some relief. Very cool. Yeah. That sounds like some technological sorcery to me. Yeah. It's but cool. like very it's... data driven. <laughs> yeah. And it's pretty old. I mean, it's. I think they've been doing research on it for 70 years. Holy shit. Yeah. So it's not like a super new technology, yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's there's new things about it coming all yeah. the time, but the root of it is pretty, pretty well-founded. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I'm going to pivot us a little bit. Bring me around. How did you end up here in northern New Mexico? Oh, Antioch. <laughs> Antioch College, man. Well, so at Antioch, there's yeah. um, every other semester students leave to go on what's called a co-op, which is really an internship. Yeah. And for one of my internships, I came to Santa Fe to work with Wise Fool New Mexico, which is a circus organization. <sighs> I studied theater at Antioch. Yeah. Which, honestly, I think theater is like one of the most versatile and Same. outstanding degrees that it's sort of like an MBA. Yeah. There's sort of nothing, there's almost nothing that does not draw on the skills that I generated as a director, as a performer, as a set and costume designer. It just like all of those things. So yeah. thank you, Antioch, for that experience. <laughs> thank you, Louise Smith. Yeah. <laughs> Jane Becker, Helen Richardson. I'm just going to call them all out because what an amazing thing that they offered, actually. Oh, Yeah. Um, so at any rate, I went as one of my co-ops to Santa Fe. Okay. And then later on, my partner Jess was 
going to go to medical school and then did a pivot and was like, no, I don't want to do hospitals. I want to be a a home birth midwife. And so at that time, I actually wonder if we were trying to rent this house at that time. We had answered a Facebook um, ad about a rental available in Chamisal. (laughs) And I called our friend Alessandra Ogren, who uh, runs a theater here in Penasco. And she was like, you don't want to spend the winter in Chamisal. (laughs) Um, let me, let me get you set up with my friend in, in Taos. Oh, that's so and funny. so we ended up at Jean Thompson's house and Rafa was, Rafa Tarin was living there at that time. And it really launched a whole era of our lives wow. of queer family. And it was very sweet. Antioch. Antioch. I know. So I called Al because Al had yeah. been my, like my preceptor for that internship. Yeah. Um, I wasn't technically a homosexual. I wasn't queer yet. Oh, at really? That time. <laughs> Whatever that means. I, yeah. No, I had definitely come out at that point, but I was dating a dude <laughs> at that time and I was not repping it very hard. But I remember Al gave me a copy of Tipping the Velvet. Wow. As I was leaving. <laughs> wow. And I spent the next semester being like, did they think I was queer? <laughs> which I love that I wish I still had that book around that specific copy they just made a a movie of it they did yeah I didn't watch it was not that great (laughs) I have to say yeah but at any rate yeah all right that's how I got to northern New Mexico bless bless the queers bless Antioch spreading its seeds I'm so thankful for that I mean we're so lucky yeah I didn't even pay them any money. <laughs> I'm still paying. <laughs> so fucked <laughs> <My> up. <money. laughs> oh. It's so fucked up. Come on, Joe. Come on, Uncle Joe. <laughs> if you're listening to Sleepy this. Joe is not. <laughs> Sleepy Joe is not listening. Sleepy Joe fell asleep watching Lawrence Welk reruns. <laughs> Shirley Temple is awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I have to address a rumor. Mm. Is it true? You drove a Toyota Tercel with snow chains for yes. an undisclosed number of years. I was talking I was talking to a lady. I was in Taos today seeing clients, and there's a lady from Valdez, which is okay. r- which is on this road on which I had to drive. I told this story today is what I'm trying to say to someone who would really know what I was talking yeah, about. Yeah. yeah, it was one of my first um, jobs in New Mexico. I was so incredibly broke, and I got a pet sitting job of oh, this. Shit incredibly steep road where julia roberts has a home at the top it's a very fancy road near the taos ski valley and on my way to the first day i got t-boned in my subaru no yeah and so the only other car we had was a 92 tercel bless manual two-door i mean that's probably better actually yeah a little more control yeah and i had oversized chains and so they would just flap it was like the whole way up and down every time your car just sounds like <laughs> donald duck going up the hill <laughs> ah! <sighs> but what it was a, so good what it a spirit just got me up and down you know i mean i think you're a big part of that equation no disrespect definitely you know yourself. when jess and i first started getting together my partner now of almost 18 years nuts whoa we i picked them up um at Antioch yeah and we were driving to Cincinnati and got a flat tire in a snowstorm a blizzard oh. 
and I changed that tire in my heels. You sealed that deal right then. Yeah, there. I mean, they would have been a fool. They would have <laughs> been true. a fool. Truly yeah, foolish. But I, I really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, you mentioned Jess. You mentioned earlier that you have two children, two children. Yes. How do you balance your family and the needs of your community and kind of the work you're doing is that even possible am I asking a ridiculous question it's an impossible equation yeah but it's also uh it's so it's a very equalizing experience to Mm -hmm. realize how many people in the world are laboring under that impossible equation and to feel a part of that yeah it's kind of heartbreaking yeah. And it's also uh, sort of uh, uplifting to be like, right, we're we're out here parenting. Yeah. And it's it is just an unfathomable amount of labor. Yeah. And it's wonderful. I mean, my kids are freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They're cool as hell. Yeah. My kids, Shellen and Selma, they're just like they're they're great. And and it's such a privilege and a pleasure to parent them. Truly. And yeah. And it is so hard. So much work. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, it kind of, you know, kids are so uh, naturally just bizarre and weird. It really sucks all the weird out of the room. Like, I think for most of my childless life, I felt I really like, like, I'm, I'm a freaky weirdo. Like, yeah, yeah. In my, like, I feel really comfortable with that identity. Totally. But they really suck all the air out of the yeah. room on the freaky weirdness. <laughs> like, it's very hard to, like, you couldn't out-weird them. It's true. Or it's you'd true. have to work super hard. Really, really you'd hard. You'd have to care a lot about it. And so far, it doesn't feel that worth it. Like, no. I'll just let them have it, you know? Yeah. Maybe someday, I can, maybe in their teen years, it'll be the right time. Yeah, I think a switch flips at a certain point yeah. where they just want you to be normal. And that's your That's end. the cue. Yeah. Yeah, that's when you have yeah, your... Yeah, well, and when I did that, I did the Garth Brooks drag oh, act yeah. last summer. And yes. I saw a video of it afterwards. And I realized that my daughter yeah. and Selma was like... I don't know, like 18 inches behind me copying every single movement I made the whole ah! time. Take that, right wingers. Yes, awesome. I was really, she was just like, crew. <laughs> yeah. she was so on it and so into it. And I was like, right, okay, this is why I like letting yes. the freak flag fly is so good for these oh, children. Fuck yeah. Yeah. That's how I was into my next question, which you kind of already hinted at a little bit, but we'll see if there's anything else mm. you want to share. Um, how's your relationship to queerness changed now that you have kids? Where do you surprise yourself? Uh, and what little rebellions do you really relish? Like, are there times where you're like, why do I feel so square? Are there times where you're like, I love my freak family? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, queer family is such a privilege. <sighs> it's yeah. just, just the finest thing. Yes. I have deep gratitude for, and for even for the queer family that I don't know, like for yeah. just being out in the world with it. Cause it's a parenting is a weird, lonely thing anyway. And, um, yeah, just so I have so much gratitude for that. Yeah. Um, will you say the other part you, there was something that I was going to say to you about it and then I lost it. Oh, like, where do you surprise yourself by being like, 
just like every other parent and then like what little rebellions do you really relish where you're like we're not like your family <laughs> <laughs> well so i i um i realized or i found out i've had kind of chronic health issues my whole life yeah and um before i got pregnant i was doing some deep dives trying to address some of my chronic health stuff before i tried to get pregnant yeah. which well, we can talk about sperm donor searching that's a Ooh, baby, that is a the trip. kids want the kids want to know. Yeah, <laughs> talk about a weird um intersection of capitalism and well, yeah, yeah. homosexuality. But um, I in doing that, I found out that I uh, have an an intersex condition, which has been a really interesting thing to yeah. to find out about myself, um, and to just. Like, I just feel like my queer world expanded in some really sweet ways. And um, I have a trans kid. I have a trans partner. And then to just realize that me and probably my daughter, right? Um, because uh, it's a genetically transmitted difference, um, we're probably both intersex. And it's just kind of cool to be like, yeah. right, we are like a full gender and sexuality diverse family here Hell like, yeah. in all of these ways. And that's been such a surprise blessing and especially in this world that we're in right now where like and 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 I feel like intersex and transgender the dynamic between intersex and transgender is sort of it, it sort of exemplifies this bizarre medicalization oh. that's trying to happen in oh, our yeah. world and I don't know I, it's both terrible and I'm so grateful for being um, a part of these communities and for all the people who are yeah. doing so much freaking work to try to keep us from just getting marched <laughs> off to the gulags. Yeah. 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 It's, it's yes. wild. But then I also look at the alternative and I'm like, no way do mm. I want to buy into any of that shit. No. There is this gift, right, of just being like, oh, I didn't even have a choice. I've been opted out since day one. Yep. It's such a blessing. Yeah, especially yeah. self-definition, which, like, is not safe and is yeah. not accessible to everyone everywhere and also is so powerful when people can finally access that. Yeah. And being able to deeply embrace non-binary thinking, like, on a on like a cellular level and yes and you know I'm so blessed to have um biological family who really want and are making an effort to be yeah. on the page and also seeing how hard it is for them to break out of binary thinking yeah just it it reifies for me how thankful I am for yeah. not being so stuck in that that I'm rigid and yeah well, because the world's like, you're difficult. This is hard for me. And it's so nice when you're around people who are like, oh, okay, no problem. Which children are a lot of those people. The and kids then, are all right. Right? And then watching the people that you care about and your relationships have evolved with being like, no, this is actually really good for your brain to have to learn this new thing. Because this new thing for you is actually ancient. Yeah. And intrinsic about this. No, it no. just, it's just that you're still buying this story. Yeah. It was made up to control you, by the way. Yeah. No it's big hard deal. When you build all your stuff on that. Woo. It's a hard thing to undo. Oh, but the foundation is mm -hmm. rotting. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. 
How do you unwind? Mm, right now, yeah, a lot of wood carving. Oh, I've heard you're a champion whittler. <laughs> I recently offered to make Rose a pair of dentures. It's true. I'm working my way there. Three more visits to Penasco Dental Clinic and I may need it. <laughs> I'm not a very good whittler. They're not going to look very good. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. What's the goal? Function. Exactly. Yeah, you want to bite that toast, You can make me man. some chompers. Yeah, for I've... sure. <laughs> I have full faith that by the time I need them, you'll be able to do good enough. Thank you, Rose. I You're appreciate welcome. that. Yeah, I'm really into sewing. Okay. I've been... Um, I am I've been a freeform sewer for a long time, what but I'm learning like not from patterns, mm, like mm-hmm. piecing and exploring things that I can do without following patterns. Cool. Um, because as I mentioned, I use toilet paper squares it's as true. a standard unit of measurement. It's true. Um <laughs> and so I'm trying to uh strengthen my skills and my brain by learning to follow sewing patterns. I also love to read. Yeah. I'm reading um Covenant of Water right now and it's so good Ooh. by Abraham Verghese. Okay. I loved his first book, Cutting okay. for Stone. This one's just out. It's it sounds so good. great. Yeah. Awesome. We're gonna move into something I like to call the lightning round. Mm. Are you ready? Pew pew pew. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Very much like that. Another yeah. round. Yeah. I'm ready. This is a good reference. Bring it on. Casey, what's your go-to karaoke song? Fancy by Reba McIntyre. <gasps> so good. That one. Wow. You know, you should meet my friend Amelia. I bar full of queers in New York City who thought they had seen the world had not seen Fancy. <laughs> we were like, oh, it's just cute little country song. Then we were like, what the fuck? I have never been to karaoke in Cincinnati, Ohio, where some homosexual didn't sing Fancy. <gasps> fair that's fair that's fair it's the difference between the weird brooklyn cop bar that we used to take over <laughs> and i think i've been to that gay bar in cincinnati bullfishes yeah that's because they were a taurus and an aquarius just to segue <sighs> into shut up mm-hmm. that's cute yeah very um can you tell me about your relationship to garth brooks which you hinted at a bit yeah i sort of didn't like garth brooks as a child growing up um <laughs> There was a a person in my class who I was sort of, I had kind of a frenemy relationship with, Ah, and she was a mega fan. Mm. And so I was sort of like, F Garth Brooks. Yes. Um, I'm more alternative than that. But in my older age, I've come to truly appreciate Garth Brooks for the showman that he is. And the intensity of songwriting that he engaged in. Yeah. Um, Truly. Yeah. Which I realize that's what I go to country music for now is just like the really intense um storytelling <laughs> which is why like the new so much contemporary country just doesn't hold up like that's cute mm-hmm. that you love your truck but like i want to hear about generational violence family yeah. feuds mm-hmm. i want to hear about how you're both cheating on each other so it's fine yeah. like i'm just not really here do you remember independence day by martina mcbride Ooh, I don't know if... Please refresh. Um, basically, it's a song about a kid whose dad is engaging in domestic violence toward her mom. Mm-hmm. And then the mom burns down the house while the kids are at the fair. Cool. And this is the kid singing about... It's like, let freedom ring, let the white dove sing. It's, That's what I'm it's saying. Deep. They talk about trauma. Yes. This is why we love classic country. Yes. They're not scared of it. Mm-hmm. They know that that's part of the purpose of creative expression. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, while we're on Garth Brooks, 
What do you think about Chris Gaines, his weird alter ego? I mean, in the world of like not embracing binary thinking, I have to salute Garth Brooks for just freaking going for it. I mean, he's also like an ur capitalist. It's true. And I think he was trying to get those dollars, which I'm a little like, well, well. Mm. yeah. I also don't know any Chris Gaines songs. Me either. Um, I just know But I salute him. Look. You know, I salute the... I salute <laughs> Whatever was happening there. Yeah. He tried something. Exactly. You know? Try something, man. And, and like, kudos to him also for, like, he had something that was working for, in, like, a formulaic way. Like, he's built a brand. Yeah. Like, you can't even... You can't even find his music on most streaming services because he knows that you'll pay for it. I know. Yeah. Did you know he has a trans kid and he's not a total turd too, which That's I love. Cool. Yeah, I'm into that. Yeah. Do you know Garth Brooks has an Aquarius stellium, but a Pisces moon? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yep. Aquarius. So he has a bunch of planets in Aquarius. Uh-huh. He's an Aquarius sun. He's a watery dude. Yeah. He's uh no Aquarius is actually an air sign, but it's the water bearer. But okay he's got those big watery feelings from the pisces how moon. little i know about astrology that's fine i know i didn't know what occupational therapy fish. was oh yeah yeah did you i rolled with the. <laughs> i appreciate it thank you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think they're a taurus and a pisces though. okay yeah, yeah all right yeah i mean listen you're around me and i'm confusing <laughs> i have a lot of pisces placements but i'm an aquarius son so uh-huh you know all right just saying <laughs> Thank you for going there with me. Um, <laughs> superior alternative milk product. Mm, yeah, oatly oat milk. Right. I know. I hate that I'm like just such a product placement. I, I'm i sorry. Oh, no, I should. But if you could get a sponsorship from oatly, that's that would be cool. That's what I was just thinking. Full fat oatly. Yeah. The only way. The way. I'm also like, where did this fat come from? It's curious. But I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. No, I think it says on the side. I've looked. Okay. It's probably like sunflower oil or something. It is. Yeah affirmative okay. yep it's so good though really especially good. for cream sauces i know do you know what i figured out you probably already know this because you've been doing this for longer than me i used to always try to add it to cream sauces and then it'll curdle and get all weird you heat that shit up first oh it doesn't curdle i only ever throw it all cold in the blender oh that's smart yeah well the more you know a little broth a little cashews a little oat, oat, oatly that sounds good yeah It'll get you through any ca- casserole, really. <laughs> this is good to know. And and this actually, what is your desert island? Desert Ireland. Desert island casserole. You know, I know this is the lightning round, but I digress. Let's do it. I am essentially Mormon royalty. Okay. Uh, Gordon B. Hinckley, who was the most recent um, prophet seer and re- revelator for the Mormon church, was my grandpa's cousin. Whoa. They looked and sounded identical. Whoa. Um, I went by the name Junker at Antioch for a little while because my grandma was sending the Mormons to my dorm room. And they really wanted me. <laughs> so I feel like I can't be asked to name one single mm. casserole okay. because it's really my cultural and religious heritage yeah. to embrace the casserole in all of its forms. Okay. Like, you know, like green jello with fruit cocktail and cheddar cheese cubes Whoa. is like a thing that, you know, that is just real. Like, it's just out there. It's important. Have you served this? I've never lot? made it okay. myself, but All I've right. enjoyed it at many a wedding and funeral. Wow. Okay. Um, 
I also love chicken divan. That's maybe a more recent I passion. I know that about you. I love tuna casserole with all my heart. All right. Okay. Um, we probably should have devoted more time to this topic. I'm really sorry that I yeah. didn't. We might it have to do. It needs to get pushed a whole up into bonus out of the episode. You know what? Let's just get rid of all of the occupational therapy talk. Mm-hmm. Don't need to hear about anything else but casseroles. Yeah. Yeah. It's at least as integral to who I am, my sexuality. That's that is part um, of your gender identity. It definitely is. You identify as ca- as a casserole forward. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How do you transport casserole? Do you heat it up at your destination? Do you bring it hot? No, no, heat it at the destination gotcha. ideally. Yeah, Foil yeah. Foil over the glass I got dish. you. You know what my mom used to do? What's that? To bring casserole dishes, she would put a cutting board at the bottom of a tote bag to keep things flat. Genius. And then put the casserole and then you want a double stack? Grab two cutting boards. Yeah. I have I have done the cutting board on top for stacking. Yeah, yeah. That's very clever. It's ve- you yeah. know, Jane Breaklock is a master packer. That's a good skill. It's a good it's a good skill that I need to tap into sometimes. Yeah. Thanks, mom. <laughs> Do you have a drag alter ego? Many of them. Oh, tell me about a few of them. One of my original ones was with Val Glenn. I was Barbel. She was Rabbit. Yes. Um, we uh, attended many events in these personas. That was more of a femme drag identity. Okay. Um, more of a Dolly Parton style drag than, okay. a, than a masculine drag. Yeah. Um, although I had a, a kind of trucker uh, make America great analog something yeah, you yeah. Know, similar to that and sweatpants look that I used for a long time to make people uncomfortable at parties. Did you wear that to That's Amazing and Disgusting? Yeah. Yeah. I remember mm-hmm. that party. Yeah. Listeners, there was a great end of semester party that a mutual friend threw called That's Amazing <laughs> and Disgusting. You know the origins of Amazing and Disgusting, right? Tell me, please. It was Helen Harris's video, one of her video projects. Okay. Um, where she was interviewing students at Cedarville, the local Christian <laughs> college, about homosexuality. <laughs> um, like Man on the Street interviews. Oh, yeah. And, and somebody expressed that homosexuality was amazing and disgusting. I agree. Yeah. Honestly. I mean... I'm honored. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I th- The miracle of birth. Amazing and disgusting. <laughs> it is. It's such a true sentiment for so many good things in this world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Caterpillar turning into a butterfly. Amazing yeah. and disgusting. Yeah. Oh. Certain casseroles. casseroles. Oh, mm. get out of town. <laughs> Don't stay. Stay. Stay and ask me some questions. <sighs> yeah. We've reached the end. It's been a blast. Of me interviewing you. <laughs> <laughs> you have to ask me at least one question um, about astrology. Yeah. Not how I got into astrology because I've already answered that. Oh, I won't. No. Great. I would like to know, have you done the investigation into what casseroles are most aligned with different signs? Whoa. Oh, my gosh. Tuna fish casserole, uh, Virgos. Yes. Thank you. Did you do that just to please me? No, it's literally just. It's just facts. It's just a fact. Um, <laughs> green bean casserole, classic crowd pleaser, but doesn't divert much. I, I would give that to maybe a Leo, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, though I don't know if it gets enough attention. I think mac and cheese is technically 
maybe with a, a different snazzier topping than just the onion yeah. crisps. But now I'm realizing mac and cheese is actually cancer. Yes, that you know? makes. I don't even know that much about astrology, and that it's makes sense cozy. to me. Cozy. Everybody yeah. knows it. Even when we can't eat gluten or dairy, we, we find a so way. way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Aquarius is that weird fucked up green jello thing you described with the cheat. Like, who put this together? Did you hear that, Jess? Listen. And then we can be condescending when people don't like it. We can be like, you just don't get it, right? Um, shoot, shoot me some more. What are some uh, other some ca- other casseroles? Yeah. Uh, what about like hamburger helper style, like macaroni oh, noodles with hamburger okay. and tomato? Okay, that's actually Leo because like kids love it. Mm-hmm. It's like a centerpiece. It's just you yeah. know what I mean. It's like. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. Green bean casserole actually is Libra uh-huh. because it doesn't want to offend anyone. And it usually doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would be like a Gemini casserole? I know so many oh Geminis my in my life. It's got to be something. It's got a lot going on, right? Just like a busy ass cat. Oh, what about like seven layer dip? Does oh, that count as a casserole? I think seven layer dip is definitely a casserole. Okay. Buffalo chicken dip as a casserole mm. is Sagittarius. I think, mm-hmm. right? It's expanding your concept of <laughs> oh, what we're even doing here. It loves a party. Yeah. You know? Yep. It's there for those gatherings when it's getting colder. Definitely. <sighs> Pisces <laughs> is actually French onion soup. They, oh. they tried, but they didn't quite, they didn't care that they weren't really meeting the assignment because like, loose. they used to like it. Mm-hmm. And it takes a it while to get, get there, you know? Yeah. It's like... Yeah. How long is this going to take <laughs> to get to the end of this story that is a casserole? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. What other casseroles are important in this world? Okay, scallop potato casserole. Oh, I made that Taurus. last weekend. Heavy. Can't uh-huh. go wrong. But you also like really have to, you have to pay attention to the process and execute accordingly. For a mm-hmm. long time, it looks like nothing is happening. Yeah. Yep. But then you're so pleased. Yeah, how about like a rice casserole, like chicken divan, like mm. mayonnaise-based, chickeny broccoli uh-huh. over rice? Ooh, okay. We've got just a couple. Le- you know what? That actually might be Capricorn. Like it's not flashy, mm. but it's classic and it gets the job done. It takes care of the family. Rafa would love it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You got yeah. your vegetables in there. You got your protein. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think trying to think if we've forgotten anybody we've got i don't think we got any uh, libras did we we got libra because it's a gr- oh, aries. oh aries aries is some kind of like flaming hot cheeto casserole i don't <laughs> is shada an aries shada is a capricorn Shada's a capricorn yeah she has a lot of aquarius in her chart though mm. mm-hmm. shada is a friend of ours she Hi, is a friend hey shada I yeah, think, did we get them all? I think that's it. We got Aries, Taurus, Well, Gemini, that's really good Cancer. information. I mean, yeah. I think, I think that I that's think gonna help. People need to know about that and like get aligned. I think so too. And you know what else I like really appreciate is I feel like that carved out the space for casseroles that you were craving. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you letting me really give that a more central Scorpio. Role. Scorpio. Scorpio is a pot Shelby. pie. You don't know what's inside. <gasps> mystery yes you know yep some kind of like dark deep broth in there mm-hmm. maybe it's people poking on underneath we don't know you don't know no you don't know till you're already into it yeah and then but it's, it's a nice whoops. golden crust 
looks good on the outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mysterious. You're mm-hmm. curious. Appealing. What's yeah. that smell? Mm. Mm. <laughs> but be careful. You might burn your shit. This. Yeah. You know, yeah. you got to let yeah. some of the steam out before mm-hmm. you dig in or yeah. you're in trouble. Yeah. 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 Wow. I think we really figured some stuff out. Yeah. Do you have any other astrology related queries? Mm. Well, since I said that I'm in a full, can I ask questions about my own chart? Please would love to. Okay. So since, as I previously stated, I'm in a minor uh, identity crisis about um, labor, are there, is there any guidance based on my chart about uh, what direction I might be well suited to move in professionally? Let's take a look. Okay, my friend. There's a few different things happening. But Saturn right now is moving through the sign of Pisces. It's going to eventually oppose your natal sun. It's already opposed your natal Venus is going to be moving back. Now, Saturn also often has something to do with our work in the world. Part of it is trying to figure out how you can bring more of your values and more of the things that you believe into your day-to-day. There's been a conflict for the last little bit. I think that, you know, the scales have fallen from your eyes in some ways. And and you become much clearer on, like, what you can and can't abide. And so you're in this liminal space for the next couple of years before Saturn comes through and crosses your ascendant and starts to move through your first house. Where you you know what you don't want. You know what you can't possibly do, but you don't have the clear picture yet. Amen, Rose. And so what I do want to tell you is that, yeah, the next three years are part of that transitional phase. And so I think it's important to really focus on what you know is ending because that's what's clear. And you don't know what's beginning, but it's like it's making room and it's finding ways to kind of support your nervous system in this big in between. But at the same time, you have a shit ton of shit moving through your first house. So there is there's a lot your fingers in a lot of little pots that are starting things. And right now, I think it probably feels a little gobbledygook and chaotic and like you have no idea how these pieces are going to fit together. You just know that like, oh, I'm doing a little of this. I'm doing a little of that. I, this relationship is bringing this. Oh, this thing needs to collapse or totally repolarize because it's out of balance. So it's a little mm, crunchy, but Jupiter is moving through. It just entered the sign of Taurus. And when it gets a little bit further, it's actually going to make a really positive aspect with the part of your chart that has to do with career. Okay. So you are kind of straddling two two camps. There, There is this part of you that is kind of grieving this end, even though the things that are ending are not where you want to be, but it's still really important to make the space for that. And then there's also in the wings, there are some exciting new opportunities that are actually going to help you bring more of yourself to the work that you're doing in the world. And that's like literally the next six months, seven months. Oh, wow. Stuff is going to start to come through. And right now, the North Node of Fate, which has to do with eclipses and where they occur, is actually in a really positive aspect with your midheaven. But, but... 
first you had to let go of some of the people and organizations that you were partnering with to do your work. So this is a new thing that you are building for yourself. That's what it looks like right now. But yeah, the, the fog is a little heavy. And I actually think like literally in the next few weeks, you're going to start to get some little inklings. And also, did you have like a little like kind of like, how has this Mercury retrograde been for you? <laughs> Wildly uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It started, you know, it started right next to Uranus mm-hmm. and then moved all the way back to where the North Node is. And then it's cruising back and so none of that needs to make sense to you but what I will tell you is that it just was stimulating a lot of different parts of your chart and part of it is just wanting to break everything just fucking raise it just like later days and then part of it is like how do I find the spiritual way to move towards embodying more purpose yes is that true? That's true. Wow, good. Yeah. Great. Yeah, get you a reading with Rose. <laughs> <laughs> so and so so I think that ultimately you won't be like fully firmly planted in this next literal 30-year cycle of your work life for a few more years. Mm-hmm. However, you're going to start to have some stuff breaking through. And the next year is going to be pretty good also for finding some more... Mm, security or confidence and and really like rooting down and starting to you're going to start to feel other people noticing what you're offering in a new way and you're going to believe and agree with them in ways that you may not always have been able to access okay that sound cool stay tuned to it yeah thank you yeah for sure and like next year like mm, january 2024 jupiter which is the planet of money growth opportunity it's how we learn and expand and grow and find faith that is moving into your second house of resources and it's actually going to be there for a whole year okay which like part of that definitely hopefully more material resources but also just like literally feeling like you have the energy and the bandwidth and the confidence and the self-esteem around what you're doing to like oh no I do know a fucking thing or two Mm -hmm. and like I can build something that will sustain me and my community and that like I'll feel a lot better in my day-to-day in as well yeah that all sounds those are some good keywords these are my favorite kinds of transits (laughs) to look at thanks Rose you're welcome but yeah it might be surprising too because Uranus is going to pop over in into there too and kind of shake shake up and and find ways for you to integrate other skills that you maybe thought didn't fit mm-hmm. or you're just like oh I just whittle what am I yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. yeah denture maker there you go mm-hmm. boom yeah we got it <laughs> oh, I didn't mention leather working that's the other thing I love Damn. to do yeah Casey will whittle you a spoon and then make a leather satchel to yep. carry it in I really will <laughs> any last requests burning desires my friend i mean i want to just say thank you to you and to jenny and to i really want to thank my partner jess oh yeah like holding our life together in so many ways and just bringing so much light and beauty to my world including co-parenting our children fuck yeah and yeah i just want to say thank you to all the queers and 
trans folks out there who are just making unbelievably hard decisions in a really hard time and I appreciate getting to feel aligned and connected and just want to want our better world to be better for all of us amen thank you for joining me and being so generous with your knowledge with your experience and also just like a real delight to hang out with and laugh with I'm glad I know you friend (laughs) (laughs) okay bye bye Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to find out more about Casey and her work, you can visit her website, www.nimblecare.org, also listed in the show notes. If you'd like to work with me one-on-one, you can find more information on my website, www.roseblakelock.com. And I hope you'll consider joining me for a workshop I'm holding on October 1st called To One From Another, Exploring the Eclipse Portal. We'll dive into the upcoming eclipse cycle and see where and how it's going to land for us personally. All my offerings are sliding scale and Zoom recordings for this workshop will be available for those who cannot attend live. Thanks again. Mutual Reception is a podcast by me, Rose Blakelock. If you enjoy the show, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing in your feed. It really does help. And if you've got a podcast or a project that you need a little extra help with, I do offer production services. I do everything from sound design to theme songs to editing and mixing. You can find information about my rates and availability on my website. Again, that's www.roseblakelock.com.